I have but one answer, whispered to me by my ancestors. Because we are the people of the land. Because we are the keepers of her stories passed down to us from the olive trees. Because her rivers run through our bodies and our grandmothers embroidered her landscape on our skin since 10,000 years. Because we saddled her first horses, we sang her first ballads, and we harvested her wheat with love no matter who held guns over us. Because our poetry watered her gardens since before she was Canaan. Because we danced when she married the Mediterranean Sea, and we made her wedding cake, a tray of knafe from Nablus. Because we were always there, we are the Jews and the Christians and the Muslims. We lived, converted between religions, settled from pilgrims, left and returned, mixed with our conquerors, died by their swords, and nourished her soil with our bodies. But we never left. But we never left. But we never left. When Henry VIII sent Anne Boleyn to the tower, we were in Palestine. When Marie Antoinette was marched to the guillotine, we were in Palestine. When Galileo gazed at the heavens, we were in Palestine. When Columbus got lost, pillaged, and raped where he landed, we were in Palestine. When Queen Nzinga ruled the kingdoms of Ndongo and Matamba, when Genghis Khan broke through China's Great Wall, when the suffragettes marched, when all of your history, it was us who were there, not in Europe or Russia or Poland or Brooklyn or Yemen or Iran or Iraq, but in Palestine, continuously for millennia. Because we created her dances, we terraced all her hills and nestled our homes in her grooves. Hello and welcome to Swana Region Radio, a weekly review of politics and culture bringing you the voices of the voiceless from Kolkata to Casablanca here on KPFK 90.7 FM in Los Angeles, 98.7 in Santa Barbara, and 93.7 FM in Northern San Diego, as well as streaming worldwide on kpfk.org. My name is Rana Sharif, and I am a member of the South Asia, West Asia, North Africa, or SWANA collective that brings you your weekly half hour of SWANA Region Radio. The excerpt you just heard from is poetry by our guest today, Susan Abulhawa, titled For Whatever You For Whatever You Ask. Today I have the great honor to share this space with my Swana Region Radio comrade, David Lloyd. Thank you, Rana. Susan Abulhawa, our guest today, is a novelist, poet, essayist, scientist, mother, and activist. Her debut novel, Mornings in Janine. 2010, translated into 30 languages, no less, is considered a classic in Anglophone Palestinian literature. Its reach and sales has made Abul Hawa the most widely read Palestinian author today. Her second novel, The Blue Between Sky and Water, 2015, was likewise an international bestseller. Her most recent novel, Against the Loveless World, came out in August. She's also the author of a poetry collection, My Voice Sought the Wind, J. 
Just World Books from in 2013. And she's the contributor to several anthologies, political commentator, and a frequent speaker. Abel Hawa is the founder of Playgrounds for Palestine, a children's organization dedicated to uplifting Palestinian children. And she was also the co-chair of Palestine Rights, the first North American Palestinian literature festival, which is what we will be talking about today. And we'll be also posting to our social media sites her uh, website where you can find her books and hopefully buy them. Palestine Rights was a literature festival held over five days in December 2020 and offered virtual readings, talks, and performances celebrating Palestinian literature. Its sessions are now permanently available for you to listen on YouTube. According to its website, Palestine Rights says, the common threads uniting all participants are the love of books and support of justice for Palestine. Our festival honors the many historic personalities who have walked this path before us and showcases living voices celebrating Palestinian life, devoted to the belief that art challenges repression and creates bonds between Palestine and the rest of the world. Today, we're honored to have one of the festival's co-organizers with us, Susan Abulhawa, and we decided to devote this show to Palestine Rights because it really offered a remarkable instance of what can be done in virtual media to further the cause of Palestine's liberation and justice for all. Welcome to the show today, Susan. Thank you, David, and thank you, Rana, for having me. Thank you for making time and being here. So I wanted to begin, perhaps, um, Susan, if you could talk a little about your own journey as a writer in an anecdote that you shared uh, with viewers uh, for the keynote featuring Angela Davis, Hanan Ashrawi, and Richard Falk. You discuss a letter um, you received from Hanan Ashrawi encouraging you to write. Could you speak about this and your um, commitment to Palestinian writing? Yeah, um, so I actually, um, I studied biomedical science, um, you know, like all Palestinian families, you like the only profession in the world is to be a doctor or a scientist and maybe a lawyer, you know? <laughs> so I took that path and um, I didn't really know that I could write. And, um, but, I, but I had internalized Edward Said's uh, lament that there was, um, there were, there were so few voices in, uh, in English literature, um, Palestinian voices. And, uh, and then after the second intifada, you know, I started writing um, some political commentary and personal reflections. And Hanan Ashrawi, I guess, read one of those, and, and she took the time to look me up and find out how to contact me to drop me a note to... Um, encourage me to write uh I've, I've never forgotten that and you know and I and I did want to mention it in the opening um, of the keynote in my introduction because I think that those kinds of acts speak to who people are you know what they do to support and uplift uh younger Palestinians um when the cameras aren't on and no one is looking and no one is listening I think that matters and um uh, you know, I love her for many reasons, um, but that, uh, uh, you know, that's that was one that um, I was privy to, and I wanted other people to know the kind of person that she is. But so yeah, so she she actually kind of gave me the initial 
sort of sense of the confidence basically and and made me think that oh wow maybe i maybe i, I can write <laughs> and you've definitely proved that you can I, I i guess did you continue to write um political commentary first and then move to fiction or poetry so I've always written poetry, actually. It was kind of a secret thing. Um, and even when I was younger, I used to write um, Arabic poetry. You know, kind of looking back on, on my life, I realized that, you know, I was writing all along, um, but never, it's kind of like, you know, I, I came from a, um, uh, my family, I, I don't come from a family of intellectuals. We were, you know, Falahin peasants and farmers. Um, books were not a part of our lives. You know, we didn't have libraries in the house. And, and, and I remember kind of craving books, actually. I didn't have a lot of books to read, and I, and I, but I wanted to. And, um, and the idea of, like, writers was kind of, you know, something very lofty that is unattainable. Um, so it, it never occurred to me. I never considered it even. Uh, it's, it's, it's a little bit, it's, a, it's bizarre now to sort of examine my frame of mind then. But I was writing Arabic poetry. I remember writing poetry as a kid. And um, uh, there are other kind of funny <laughs> anecdotes. And, and you know, like I, I won a writing contest in high school and things like that. But uh, I guess it was always there. Well, the, the story about Ashrawi is urging you to, to continue to write and to publish is, is really inspiring. And I, I wanted to move to actually another moment in the festival itself that, that is also about an inspiring woman in the Palestinian struggle, Khalida Girard. And in the opening keynote, you, you began with a letter from, from Khalida Girard, which was translated from the Arabic and read by her daughters, Yara and Suha. And I wanted, you know, why, why you found it important to start with this particular letter in a festival on literature? So I think, um, you know, I think in the West, um, prisoners, we don't think of literature as prisons, prisons being, a, you know, a, a place of literature um, or even a place for anything in, you know, proper society, right? Prisons are, are, are on the margins. But when you come from a society like ours, um, prisoners are central uh, to, to our in our society because because that's where our freest people are. Um, they're locked up by the state. Um, I think that's true uh, for African Americans. I think it's true for Palestinians. It's true for everybody um, for every society uh, that is um, that's struggling for liberation and. So prison literature is is important. Some of our some of our biggest writers actually had been you know were were once political prisoners. Um, one of our participants, uh, uh, Mahmoud Ishqayr, for example, he was a former political prisoner, and he's you know he's a he's a renowned Palestinian writer in the Arab world. And um, and Khalid Jarrar, uh, besides being this incredible woman and a revolutionary and um, just, uh, just a, an amazing badass woman. Um, she's a, a voracious reader um, and, a, and a big consumer of literature. And um, as a matter of fact, and I and I've said this publicly, my my uh, my proudest moment as a writer was when I found out that. Um, Palestinian prisoners were, had snuck in my books and were reading them in prison. Um, and it was because of Khalida, you know, she, she had smuggled in books and, and was having, um, you know, book clubs for, for other uh, female 
um, political prisoners and, you know, holding classes on, on various things and making sure the younger women were finishing high school and, and whatnot. Uh, so it was, it was wholly appropriate to, to have a woman like that, um, who is so relevant to literature, so relevant to, to our existence. Um, and, and, and especially, you know, what she represents of Palestine is so relevant to, um, to all of our arts and our culture. Uh, so I, I, you know, when you think of it that way, it was wholly appropriate for her to, uh, to have a presence in the keynote. And I was, I was delighted by, by what she wrote and, and the fact that her daughters read it was especially poignant. Thank you so much for sharing that. It's really, um, I actually had the opportunity to go back and look at the letter because it's posted on the website and it's in Arabic and in English. And it was actually also really powerful to have her daughters there. Mm -hmm. So it speaks to the generationality of resistance and revolution by Palestine and Palestinians as writers. And she she named you all, um, uh, you, yourself, um, Angela Davis, Richard Falk, and um, talked about Antonio Gramsci's, for example, prison notebooks mm -hmm. and the kind of significance of that to Palestinian writers. So her piece was actually followed by um, a reading from Palestinian writer and poet Ghassan Kanafani. So if you could talk about the coupling of and the significance of having someone who is in the thrust of the Palestinian, excuse me, the Israeli occupying prisons. And Ghassan Kanafani, who um, is a revolutionary thinker, reader, writer. Um, uh, and what did it mean to have both of them in conversation as you're um, opening this uh, keynote? Yeah. So we had, um, well, of course, you know, Hassan Kanafani is um, uh, is a renowned Palestinian writer, and um, unfortunately, you know, Israel sort of robbed us of for further fruits of his genius and his spirit um, at a very, you know, at a, they killed him at a young age. Um, but he left us with a lot um, in the way of literature, in the way of revolutionary thought, and and. Um, and revolutionary spirit. Uh, and in many ways, this festival is his legacy. Um, and uh, Randa Gerard is his legacy. We are his legacy. So um, it made all the sense in the world to have him in that keynote. But he was also present in another panel that was dedicated to Hassan Kanafani and James Baldwin. Um, this was actually one of my favorite panels and, and we kind of, you know, when we came up with it, it was just, you know, we thought, oh, wow, this is perfect because Baldwin and Kenafani, I don't think they ever met um, in during their lifetimes, but they lived these parallel lives uh, and, um, and meant uh, the same to their people. They did, you know, they were literary figures and they were revolutionary figures. Uh, and they everything they did sprang from a deep well of love for their people and for humanity and for justice. Um, and so it was um, it felt really wonderful and beautiful to to bring them together posthumously to have a conversation and for us to kind of um explore their the parallels in their lives and the intersections um and it was you know the panel that we had on this subject was uh was fabulous um robin dg kelly bill mullen hosama habayeb um rami abushab i mean you know the and uh 
I don't know if you watched it or not, but every one of their presentations was exceptional. And I, I learned a lot. I learned things I didn't know before. So it was really, really, yeah. It was amazing, actually. Sorry, I don't mean to interrupt. But it was moderated by Maha Nassar as well. I just Maha, to... yeah, of course. And, and Maha, yeah, she she brought it home. I mean, she yes, framed yes. the entire thing so wonderfully. Well, there is so much fabulous content in in it. I, I want to repeat again for our listeners that it is still accessible, and, and you can find it on YouTube just by plugging in Palestine <clears throat> rights into the search area. But um, apart from the content... When I first opened the website, Palestine Writes, from a link, I was blown away. I mean, it's such a beautiful production and such an inventive use of, you know, what, what the internet offers or what, what uh, the web can offer. And I, I really wanted to hear a little more about what it meant to, to hold and host this festival online. And... Uh, I guess this is in the interest of full disclosure. I, I began as part of the the organizing team until it was planned to to move it to New York, and I didn't see a way to help much from, from Los Angeles. Okay. So I'm really curious how the evolution took place from that initial plan to hold, you know, a, a, a festival at which Palestinians mm -hmm. could be present and and uh, to have it in an auditorium and so forth into this really fabulous platform um, that happily is still permanently available to us yeah well as you know um i think you you must have been there before i came on um <clears throat> this was planned you know it was years in the in the making and um and the i i had actually always kind of wanted to have a palestinian literature festival um but then when i was approached by us acb uh to um to be on an advisory committee uh you know you guys had already sort of conceived of something um that uh, um, you know was kind of very different than what it ended up being, um, but I you know I um, you know I, I declined to be on an advisory board, but I asked them, you know I said I would help out, but um, I'd like to take it in a different direction, and and everyone was gracious enough to let that happen. Um, I felt like it was important to have um, uh, you know people who knew. Um, Arabic literature, Palestinian literature in Arabic, uh, to bring those um, those personalities and individuals to uh, uh, in conversation with other Palestinian writers um, in the diaspora and with their um, uh, their contemporaries and and other communities and African American communities and and indigenous communities and. Um, and of course, we were all crushed, you know, after we had planned this wonderful um, festival that was going to take place in New York. Everything was paid, the food. We planned all kinds of like after parties. Um, and yeah, oh, yeah, we, we had rented these, you know, amazing space. Like we, we spent so much time finding the right space. Like we didn't want just, you know, like gentrified kind of fancy. We, we went, we looked and found like eclectic, beautiful, big spaces. Um, and, you know, we had DJs lined up. We had food, we had amazing food. We spent so much time like getting the right food because, um, you know, I wanted it to be vegan. And, and to be Palestinian, and it was tough, you know, finding the right chefs for that, but we did, and, and you know, the, um, everybody played, every, everybody played a role, you know, Jordi Rosenberg had, um, had 
created this uh, the whole um, setup with the with a, a local bookstore to sell books and. Um, Bill Mullen had arranged, you know, all the transportation and we had all this, you know, these signage and graphics and, and then the, uh, pandemic hit. (laughs) So it was back to the drawing board. I mean, we were actually crushed and we weren't sure if we were going to, you know, what we were going to do, if we were going to be able to pull it off, but we had all this money that we had raised Um, much of it was already spent. So we had to try and get it back and, you know, and, and having, um, and we couldn't return all of it because a lot of it was spent. So it was a big responsibility to have other people's money and, and to be entrusted with that. Uh, so we, you know, we regrouped and we figured it out we did an online thing and, and I think like at that point, people were kind of beginning to be zoomed out. So we didn't want the same old zoom. <laughs> and that's how, you know, everybody, everybody did their part. We all just researched and we worked on different continents, different time zones. So I wish you to stuck with us next time, David. <laughs> well, I can tell you, I have great regret. I mean, I just thought, well, what can I do? You know, if it's yeah. about finding places in New York and so forth. But one of the one of the great things about it is because we were always worried in, in trying to think how to do a, a festival that would showcase the positive sides of Palestine. Because, you know, BDS is absolutely crucial, but it can also constantly emphasize the negative and, you know, asking people not to go to Israel and so forth. And the idea was, oh, here we'll bring together all these Palestinian writers and also introduce Palestinian writers to writers working here in the United States and so forth. And then the big problem was, well, half the the writers that we would want to bring and the artists won't be able to travel. So there's always going to, it's always going to be haunted by the need to bring people in. And in a certain way, that's what the online platform allows, isn't it? To actually bridge that blockade that Israel imposes on so many Palestinians. So I, I'm, I'm wondering if you think maybe it was more successful for having to go online um, than it could have been if, you know, you, you were just flying in a few, a handful of Palestinians who could travel. Absolutely. Actually, I mean, it was it was successful in different ways. I mean, and uh, um, you know, it made us realize that when we do this again, there has to be an online component, even if it, if there is an uh, an in person festival. Um, and uh, yeah, I mean, we were able to reach readers who would have you know would not have been able to fly to New York to attend, but people attended from all over the world, and and we had a far bigger audience than we would have otherwise. Um, so, yeah, absolutely. So for me, I'm really interested in how new media spaces opened up possibilities and opportunities. And Palestine rights was just captured on so many different lev- levels, um, aesthetically, um, accessibility, even the naming of the different rooms, the sites of engagement with the um, kind of uh, not viewers, but participants, because not only was it a um, even it really expand the definition of literature because we had cooking shows, cooking Mm -hmm. demonstrations. um, We had uh, children's story time. So it was an extremely expansive definition of what it means to think and read and write as Palestinian Mm -hmm. and for Palestine. And one of the things that I'd like you to speak on, we're really short on time, but um, is 
the way that you all decided to engage Palestinian cultural producers, Palestinian creatives, how were they part of um, what ultimately was um, a site of engagement, this really comprehensive and um, beautiful site of engagement? So um, this kind of speaks a little bit to the first part of what you said earlier, David, is that, you know, people often, especially in in the West, people who aren't Palestinian sort of either sort of they, they I think I feel like we're really misunderstood. Um, and ultimately we we seem to always sort of be measured in relative to Israel, relative to our oppressors, relative to our predicament. Um, but in reality, we're an ancient society <laughs> with an ancient culture. With, with literature that spans generations, with songs and folklore and, um, and, and a culture that includes, you know, culinary culture, um, uh, uh, sartorial culture, uh, you know, music um, and literature and art and dance. Uh, and these things have nothing to do with Israel and they have everything to do with being Palestinian. So, um, and it's, you know, it, it's, you can't separate literature from, uh, uh, you can't, it's hard to, to separate the components of art in general, right? It's just, um, uh, they're all enmeshed and it's, and it's cultural. Um, and we did emphasize, you know, fiction and poetry because it was a literature festival, but we felt like cultural producers span the full spectrum um you know you have graphic novelists for example and that's literature but it also has an artistic component and so you know um it was important to kind of bring all of these different elements of palestinian culture and have them represented as much as possible in a literary context and when i say you know when i say all this this doesn't mean that um you know, we, we try to remove politics. Um, that's not the case because, you know, art is political. Um, and when you are a society of struggle, um, or at least, you know, for me, what I produce of art or literature comes from this collective wound that where we, that we all live in this unredeemed history. Um, and it is political. Um, and it's ancient, and it's uh, and it's Palestinian. And so all of these things aren't can't be separated. Uh, and it and it you know uh, the the end result exceeded our expectations. Uh, and you know we couldn't have been happier. It was it was a it was a beautiful festival, and um, everybody contributed. And ultimately, it was the it was the participants and the viewers who made it um, extraordinary. They the 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 remarks and the feedback that we got um, were overwhelmingly positive and, uh, and, and really beautiful comments. Well, Susan, that sort of brings us all the way back to the beautiful poem with which we started um, about the, you know, the longevity of Palestinian culture and the ways it precedes any occupation or settlement. And I think that's a very salutary point at which, unfortunately, <laughs> we have to end our conversation for today. But thank you so much, and, and I really hope that listeners will take the time to go and look at Palestine Rights online and, and enjoy some of the extraordinary panels that you all managed to produce. Congratulations. Thank you so much. Thank you. Our guest today has been Susan Abuhawa, novelist, poet, mother, and activist. 
Thank you for being on the show with us today, Susie. If you've enjoyed our show, please consider making a donation to KPFK at kpfk.org, which you can do at any time. Don't forget to mention Swana Region Radio when you pledge. Your support and only your support keeps this program and this station on air. We receive no corporate sponsorship, which is what allows us to air exactly this kind of programming. But that means we depend on you to survive. We thank you for your donations. That's all the time we have on our show today. The Swana Collective would like to thank our guest, Susan Abuhawa. And all our shows are available to download at kpfk.org and can be found as podcasts on Spotify and other platforms. Thanks, as always, to Ahmad Ibrahim for post-production. My name is David Lloyd of the South Asia, West Asia, and Northern Africa, or SWANA Collective. And on behalf of my co-host, Rana Sharif, and all our collective members, I'd like to wish our listeners a great day. Check in with us again next week at the usual time of 1.30 p.m. And don't forget to listen to our sister show, Middle East in Focus, regularly scheduled at 1 p.m. on Sundays, right before SWANA Region Radio. 